This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by the U.S. Grains Council, selling American corn, sorghum, barley, and coal products to buyers around the world every day. Our guest this week is Chris Novak, CEO of the National Pork Board. We'll hear from Chris after this from the U.S. Grains Council. Global markets are an incredible challenge as well as an opportunity. You simply cannot overstate the importance of boots on the ground speaking the local language and understanding local political and regulatory constraints. That's what the U.S. Grains Council does. The explosive food demand is in developing countries where a growing middle class is moving to first world quality diets. But as we look at those markets, the volatility is extraordinary. The U.S. Grains Council is out there 24-7 establishing relationships, building trust, and opening doors for corn, sorghum, barley, and their co-products. And that translates into economic gains for farmers in the United States. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Chris Novak, the CEO of the National Pork Board. Thousands attended the World Pork Expo in Des Moines, Iowa last week. On the sidelines of the event, Chris says 2014 has proven to be a year of challenges and also opportunity. The PED-V outbreak has significantly reduced pig numbers, but consumers in the U.S. and around the globe continue to increase their demand for U.S. pork. We've, we've been thrilled with the demand that we're seeing from consumers, and certainly uh, we've, we've known and we've watched as, as uh, losses have mounted of the, the baby piglets who have been struck with PED. Uh, we know that we're going to have smaller supplies of pork available to the marketplace, and that is likely to increase mean that there's going to be a rise in pork prices as we look at the coming summer and the year ahead. At the same time, as we, as we do look at demand, both consumption as well as, as uh, strong retail prices, there's been some, some positive signals that consumers are still buying pork and uh, loving our product. Chris, at World Pork Expo, you held a press conference to talk about the Industry Audit Task Force. Now, you've been working on this for a number of months. What were the things that you shared certainly important for this industry now? Well, where I would start is that first and foremost, we we certainly know and understand as an industry that consumers first want to know more about what we're doing as an industry, how hogs are raised today. And certainly we've seen as well that consumers are, are deeply deeply committed and concerned about the welfare of animals on our farms. We know that, that our producers uh, across the country uh, work to do what's right each and every day, and yet to the extent that we know that we have to have programs in place that, that help us get better, that help us improve, but also programs that help us document and demonstrate to consumers exactly what our industry is doing. So we've been proud of the fact that we have a 20-year history, 20, almost a 25-year history with the Pork Quality Assurance Program, which was designed to, to improve the, the health and safety of our product. Today, that program is helping, helping producers improve the welfare of the animals on their farm. And yet, as we looked and saw audits and, and having that third party walk onto the farm and work with the producer to verify that they're doing the right thing, we saw that as a natural evolution, as a next step that was necessary to reassure consumers. So we've had a great team working together of, of producers, veterinarians, uh, and, and folks from the processing industry, and we'll, we'll be pleased to share the details uh, as this program moves forward. What has been the scope of the audit, just a few farms or in most of your region? 
the what what exists today is individual packers who are are buying hogs from farmers are are already uh, sending somebody out to the farm to do audits, and so a part of what is set up through this effort that we've worked on for the last eighteen months is to say what what will that audit look like? We want the farmer to make certain that they understand what's required in the audit so that they can do the right things every day to, to make certain that when the auditor comes, uh, their farm will, will pass muster with the auditor. So it is the, the basic elements of the audit itself is what has been included within our pork quality assurance program, checking to make certain that the animal has food and water, that, that the animal is in good condition and good health and, and has all the tools for, for proper health. We're checking to make certain that the space uh, that the animal has is is safe uh, and appropriate for that animal. All of these things are part of, of what's needed simply to document and demonstrate that we're doing the right thing on our farm every day. Chris, I want to ask in your position of an observation of what, of what it means to pork producers where some end users want to set the standard for how those animals should be raised. I'll look to the extent that I, I see it as an opportunity in, in that uh, we know uh, we've seen announcements from food companies about different housing systems that they would like to see used within the pork industry and what they're expecting of their suppliers. As we look at that, uh, the the unfortunate part is that's not looking at what's best for the animal. Uh, it's simply making a, a political decision that uh, – we know hasn't necessarily been fully vetted uh, in terms of veterinarians and, and other animal health professionals who will, will validate that the housing systems that we're using are safe and appropriate for the animals and that there's different welfare that is provided to animals in, in different types of systems. Setting, setting that issue aside, but recognizing that consumers and customers are expecting us to do more, our goal is to say, how can we take a look at the entire system on the farm? We want to make certain that whether an animal is housed in an individual maternity stall or whether that animal is in a group pen or if that animal's in a pasture, we want to make certain that the health and condition of that animal is appropriate and that the animal is being properly cared for, uh, that the animal is, is being treated if it's sick. Uh, regardless of the type of housing system. So the opportunity for us here is really to take a broader approach than what most most of the companies have focused on to truly look at how we can better assure animal welfare. When I think about agriculture and where it has come from, it was really more to me about producing crops and the output of crops. But with the advent of the growing middle class with the advent of the demand for protein, it appears to me that in the days and in the years to come, uh, we'll be as much about protein as we will be about crops. What does that say about your industry? What does that say about the challenges that are in front of you and the opportunities that are in front of you? Well, to the extent that we we see protein as a growing part of the world's diet, and so we recognize that the opportunity is there for U.S. pork producers to have a market uh, that's going to be growing not just here in the U.S., but worldwide. 
we know that protein's a, a vital part of the diet, and that's been a large part of the discussion uh, as we've talked about nutritional programs and nutritional requirements here in the United States. One of the studies that we'd done a number of years ago had showed that uh, protein at breakfast helps with satiety. It helps make you feel full. It helps uh, helps sustain energy through the day. That's that's part of the story that sometimes is lost as we talk about the the benefits of of pork and and other meat proteins. The growing middle class around the world is creating a, a new new market, new opportunities for our pork producers here in the United States to be able to to share our quality pork with consumers around the world. So again, that creates another opportunity. I think the challenge is that uh, we have more people who are asking more questions about livestock livestock production methods, and we're, we're ready and we're willing and, and certainly we're doing a lot today to answer those questions, but we're looking into the future at ways that we can in, enhance and improve that transparency so that consumers are, are getting the information that they want with respect to today's pork production. I would ask this question from your observation, giving the demand for protein, is it then any surprise that we see a global bidding war for the country's largest swine producer and that sale going through and now a bidding war for another company, Hillshire? Is, is that not a symptom of the times? I, I, I don't know that I would call it a symptom of the times as much as I, I think there is a message there for all producers. To some extent, the, the examples you mentioned are, are large companies uh, on a global scale, and yet we have to look and say that our reality is there is a growing demand for protein. There's a growing demand for pork, and that's going to create opportunity whether you're a large, large integrated company or whether you're a small, small family farmer uh, in Iowa, Nebraska, uh, Arkansas, or, or across the country. The fact that we've got more people overseas who have a, a growing income and are looking to put protein in their diet is going to ensure that uh, as our industry recovers from PED, we'll have an opportunity to be able to provide protein to those consumers around the world. And, and that's going to mean uh, more opportunity, uh, again, not, not just for companies, uh, but for the, the family that wants their son to come back on the farm and, and be a part of, of a generational generational farm system, uh, that's that's the exciting news that, that I see in, in what's happening with the markets. Chris, are we able to get our arms around yet the economic loss because of PEDV in the country? I think the, the, the challenge as we, as we look at the economic loss, uh, certainly as we've seen uh, losses mount of of the piglets that have died because of this virus. Uh, we have at the same time seen uh, prices rise, uh, which which obviously uh, uh, pushes consumers on a limited budget as they walk into the grocery store. But yet has also then helped offset uh, that that farmer who may have lost uh, eight weeks uh, of production on his farm, uh, his or her farm. Uh, the higher prices are helping offset some of those losses. So in terms of the economic impact of PED, I think very hard to quantify. I think there's a part of what we're looking at that, uh, you know, we, we do know uh, higher consumer costs because uh, supplies will be tighter this next year. We also know that there's been a, a, an extreme emotional toll in terms of producers who have had to battle with this disease. 
in most cases, uh, the herds that get PED are recovering relatively quickly uh, within within a five to eight week period. But some uh, about 25 percent of our herds, uh, the virus is is staying active in the herd, and uh, the losses losses are continuing on for a much longer period of time. Uh, for those for those uh, those farms where those losses are continuing, obviously uh, the economic impact of of PED is is devastating for them. But we don't have a way to quantify that at this point in time. What news can you share of a second outbreak in Indiana of a herd that had already been infected? We are we are getting some reports of of uh, once a herd has gotten sick and recovered. And a part of the, the plan for managing PED uh, that we've utilized for this past year is, is to, to build up the natural immunity. So once the animals get sick and, and recover, uh, they've got an immunity against the virus. We don't know yet today how long that immunity will last. And so we've heard uh, stories of farms that have broken a second time. Um, we, we know that it's, it's not uncommon. Uh, we're, we're hearing some reports that, uh, there is, uh, fewer death, fewer death, less death loss, uh, uh, when the animals get sick a second time. Uh, and yet, uh, obviously, uh, still it's quite a struggle for producers to go through. A- again, at this juncture, uh, our best information would indicate that about 25, 25% of the operations uh, are struggling with with a type of chronic uh, presence of the virus, uh, and uh, will will continue to invest dollars into research to look at the issue of reinfection and immunity. I do need to say that the, the most important message to share with with consumers is this is this is an animal that affects pigs only. Uh, it's certainly not anything that affects uh, food safety or the, the safety or the quality of our pork. Nor nor is it any risk to humans. But uh, on the farm for for uh, particularly baby piglets, it's been it's been a devastating challenge. Chris, I'll wrap with this. There is quote unquote per se a race in the meat case. Uh, the beef industry has been challenged by drought. Their numbers are down. Poultry not responded as quickly, but certainly making an attempt. Swine obviously hit by the PEDV virus. How is, how are you positioned to try to, to put greater supplies in front of U.S. and global consumers? Can you weather this storm? And how long does it take to respond? I think certainly the market the market is providing the signals to producers and to the extent that we're looking ahead and seeing uh, we do have we do have slightly larger hogs that are coming to market today and that means that each hog that's sold has a few more pounds of pork that is available to consumers. Uh, we're we're starting to hear and we'll we'll look at the next USDA hogs and pigs report as to whether or not. Uh, producers are are bringing any more breeding stock into their into their herds uh, with the idea that they do want to increase production. Certainly, the, the the market signals are there, the opportunities are there for producers to expand. I think as we look down the road, we are looking at the fact that our industry will recover from this, and and as our industry recovers, uh, we were forecasting for for 2014. Uh, just just 12 months ago, we were forecasting about 100 and 113, 112 to 113 million pigs 
we know that this year's number will be much lower than that projection, and yet at the same time as, as we look down the road past PED, uh, we know that this industry will recover and move back to a growth mode. Perhaps the best news for the U.S. swine industry is the fact that pork demand is strong, even with higher consumer prices, and the outlook for U.S. corn price is lower with the larger expected supply this year. You've been listening to AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by the U.S. Grains Council, selling American corn, sorghum, barley, and co-products to buyers around the world every day. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Downing.